morning. All right, we excited this morning? Yes, that's a good answer. Amen. Father, we just thank you, God. I ask you right now, God, we thank you that your presence is in this place. I ask you right now, Lord God, that in every pulpit, in every church that preaches your name this morning, God, that you would speak and have your way. That you would lift the burdens, that you would break the shackles, that you would bring freedom to the captives in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, church. All right, all right. Wow. You're a good-looking church, amen? I'm not just gassing you for more amens. I'm just, you know, you're, you're a good-looking church. All right, here's the quote. Here's the quote. Get your, get your smartphones out. Get ready to tweet. Get ready to Facebook status. Here it is. The cause for complaint is often a God-given opportunity for growth and praise. What at first appear to be thorns may prove to be divine prods that move us closer to God. The cause for complaint is often a God-given opportunity for growth. Did did we get that? Because it's too quiet in here. All right, we'll, we'll get it later, I guess. See, those things that we complain about can be the very things that God wants to use to move us through something, to move us from something, or to move you to something. Can, can we see that? Amen? Those, those very things that we complain about. Listen, Philippians, Paul says in Philippians 2, he says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in this world. Amen. The, The message puts the last sentence like this. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God carrying the light-giving message into the night. Carrying the light-giving message into the night. What does that mean? Bringing light into darkness. Oh, no, no. You guys are, you guys are, you ain't awake this morning. Hold up. Hold up. You're going to cause me to get sweaty this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about, and I review these things every week as I'm going, and and I realize I'm always talking about the same thing. So I want to talk to you this morning about making a difference, about, about making yourself useful, about shining on purpose. In a message titled, Got Light? See, we've been going through the book of Genesis, and lately we've been looking at the life of Joseph, right? And, and we left off last week. I hope we left more. You know, we left here last week talking about more than, Pastor was talking about big butts. 
I hope you know it was more than that. Amen? But, you know, what, what I pray is that as we go through, you know, this, this, this life lessons from the life of Joseph, I, I want you to see. See, there's not too many people in the Bible that God gives us that we can copy. Have you noticed that so far in Genesis? This, we've, we, 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 you know, like all these big names that we always thought were like these incredible men, and they are. I'm not saying they're not. But, but a lot of them, we look at their lives and we say, whoa, 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 God's not saying be like that. Right? We don't, we don't want to be like some of our founding fathers that are sleeping with prostitutes and, 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 and all kinds of craziness that we've been going through, right, in the book of, of Genesis. But occasionally there's, there's, there's one in there that God will give us as an example. And Joseph is just one of those guys, amen? And, and see, so, so far all these bad examples, Joseph gives us a good example because he's so much like Jesus. Joseph is so much like Jesus. Can you, I, I don't know about you, but I want it to be said of me, should we tarry, should, should, should God tarry and should I go on to be with the Lord in, in later, later years? I want it to be said about me 30, 40 years you know, later. Man, you know, that guy was so much like Jesus. He was so much like Jesus. I mean, does anybody kind of want your life to count like that? No? All right. I'll just, if you don't want preaching, I'll just give you some teaching then. We'll just move on. Let's get some life lessons from the life of Joseph. See, we've been going through lessons from the life of Joseph. Here's one that... Joseph, we learn from Joseph that sometimes bad things happen for good reasons. That's a tough one, right, in light of everything that we're seeing in the news and in light of everything that's happening. Sometimes bad things happen for good reasons. See, if Joseph was to eventually save his family and, and save the entire Jewish nation, he wasn't going to do it as the old Joseph from the block. He, he, he was going to have to, you know, get away from the usual. He's going to have to go through some things. He was going to have to learn how to serve in order to learn how to lead the way God wanted him to, to lead. Amen? And so we learn from Joseph that also, even when bad things happen, God is still with us. So, somebody needs to hear that today. A lot of, there's been a lot of bad teaching in the churches and, 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 and you know, a lot of, we, we get it from a lot of bad teaching, from a lot of condemnation, from a lot of shame. And we think that every time that, you know, if bad things are happening, it's because God's not with us anymore. Anybody ever heard that? You ever felt that? Right? If bad things are happening, it's because God doesn't love us. It's because God forgot about us. It's because God doesn't care. This bad thing is happening in my life because God doesn't love me. Listen, hear this please. God is not like your earthly father. If that was for one person, I, I, I pray it just really got deep rooted in there. God is not like your earthly father. If, if you would stop trying to hurry through the bad times, if you would sojourn there, if you would linger, usually in the middle of that bad time, you'll find the presence of God. Anybody can testify? Anybody ever met God in the hard places? Sometimes it's in the hard place where if you really stop if you really just stop complaining and stop having everybody say, oh, poor me, poor me, look at me, look at me. If, if you would just shut up and, and stay in the hard place for a moment and linger, 
you'd actually hear the heartbeat of God. You'd actually feel the presence of God there. You'd actually allow yourself to grow and allow yourself, you know, you'd, you'd, uh, unless you're one of those people that think that God is your personal genie, then, then, you know, you just throw a tantrum and you just lose your mind, you know. Oh, God, oh God, you know, God, I try to serve you. I go to church three times and look what happens. My car breaks down. Like you thought because you went to church three times, like now your car is, lasts forever? Like, you know, we have that, that mentality, don't we? Like, well, come on, I went to church. Oh, so thank you because you went to church now. God is so, you know, indebted to you for your grace to appear at, at one service and you didn't even pay attention and you didn't even worship and you didn't even answer any call. But, but you figured while well, I was here, come on, that's got to count for something, Right? Anybody, I mean, you know, we, we get these attitudes with God. And so, but, but listen, even after you've thrown your, your tantrum, even after you've, you know, finished whining and complaining, if you would take the time to stop and reflect on what just happened in your life, on where you are, you'd probably be able to sense even a, just a greater presence. In the hard place, because God likes to meet us a lot of times in the hard place. Even if, even if you're there and you say, God, I don't understand what's going on right now. I don't understand the whys, and I don't understand the why nows, but, but I, I sense you in this. Anybody been there? I sense you in this. We've also learned from the life of Joseph that, and this is awesome, the favor of God is universal. Listen, even people that don't speak God can recognize it. Even people that don't speak God. You ever had people at your jobs tell you, man, well, you know, it's you. You, you got something, right? Right? I have people telling me that, well, you, like, like they think I got a special cell phone that reaches God that they don't. You know, but they act that way, right? Well, it's you. Like, so if something good happens in my life, if they see something good at the job, they go, well, you know, it's you, you and Poppy or, you know. And, and that's awesome. That's, that's awesome because that says, listen, even if they don't believe, even if they don't know God like I know, it, it says that they, they, they know that there, there's, there's something there. There's something different. Amen? See, the favor of God is universal. Even people that don't speak God can recognize it. They can revere it. They can respect it. They can even reward it, right? Listen, Joseph was put in charge of every place he was forced into. Every place he was forced into, he was put in charge of. Why? Because the favor of God, the word says. So we, we, we can learn from Joseph also that, this is a tough one, that sometimes in losing something that you treasured, you gain something of more value. I'll let you kind of, you know, wrestle with that on yourself, on your own. What are some things that God, you know, has caused you to lose? Relationships. Jobs, positions, titles, all kinds of things. Sometimes, you know, those things that, that really meant a lot to us. And, and a lot of, listen, a lot of people stop coming to church because they're angry at God for the things that God allowed to happen. But, but, but God wanted, I think we heard it during the message here, God, God wanted the best for you. God wants the best for us. And sometimes he'll take away the second best. He'll take away what's good to give us something better. Amen? And I'm glad some of you understand that. He, he'll take away what's, what's good to give you his best. 
But sometimes we just so, we want to hold on to his good so bad that we don't want his best. We just want, this is good enough, God. Yeah, we're afraid to let go. Now they're helping me preach. That's awesome. We also learn from the life of Joseph that when we're others-centered instead of self-centered, we're actually living out the scriptures. I, I don't know about you. You know, some of you are new. A lot of you are new here, and, and you're new to, to being a Christian. You're new to being in church. But if you want to know how to walk out the word, be others-centered. Be about other people. When you are about other people, you're living out the word of God. And, and listen, it's so much, you, you might think it's harder, but it's easier. When you are about other people, when it gives your heart joy to see someone else full of joy, then you don't focus on, on your stuff. Then you don't focus on, but, but you know I got arthritis, but I got, but I got back pain, but I got this, but I got that. Listen, I, I don't care. I gotta, there, there's some people here, I, I, I look at you ladies, and you ladies are incredible because I, I know some of your stories. You come and you serve with bad knees, with, with cancer, with, with, with this, with hurt, with back pains, with spinal things, with, and, and you're here serving more, listen, more, I, I love you guys. You encourage me and strengthen me. You're serving more than the strong, than those that can, that can. When I see somebody that can't lift a chair, they're dragging the chair to move it to make room for somebody's wedding or a banquet or something. And I see those that can lift six chairs and they're, I don't have no time for that. I got, you know, you know what I'm saying? When, listen, when we're other-centered, we live out the word. Joseph shows us that. Listen, there is nothing, and, and man, we can amen about this all day. There is nothing like knowing that you are in the will of God. Anybody been there? Wow. <laughs> that scared me a little bit. <laughs> Nobody's ever been in the will of God. Listen, let me encourage some of you. Right now, because you're right here, you're in the will of God. Some of you. Some, some of you, because I'm not saying that for everybody. Some of you, because you're right here, that's, that's the will of God for you today. Amen? Because God has brought you someplace where you can hear his word, where you can gather with like-minded people, where you can be encouraged, where you can be strengthened, where you can be an encourager and a strengthener. Amen? Because in my heart, that's what this church should be all about. It shouldn't be about us. I, I don't want you to come here so that, oh, I got to go there to get my fix, to get my shot, to get my, so I can be lifted up, so I can be. No, I, you know, I, I want the, the, the heart, the culture of this church to be about, I want to go there to see who I can bless today. That changes, that changes the church dramatically. That changes things. I, I was reading online this weekend about, um, I, I go to the site that I like to read a lot of articles. It's a lot of pastors and a lot of leaders kind of kind of put their stuff there for us to encourage each other. And, and the question came up, why don't people come to church? Why don't people go to church? And it broke my heart that so many, oh, you know, people started writing comments. And you know how people go off on their blogs and they go off on comments? And you have the regulars, well, there's a church full of hypocrites, you know. And, and so people are like, well, there's always room for one more. You know, come on in. Or, or the church this or that. But, but a lot, of, uh, listen, a lot of, of what was said was, I went to, I, I stepped into a church and nobody greeted me. And nobody acknowledged that I was there. And nobody, it seemed like nobody cared. 
this is my first time in this place, and nobody could care less. There was just, maybe there was too many people, maybe there was not enough people, maybe, you know, all these kind of issues. But, but it, it broke my heart that, that people said, well, I went to church and I didn't have a connection with anybody. And so I sat there during the worship, and, and people were so, so focused on getting their worship on that nobody cared about me. And listen, while that might be a selfish attitude, but we have to understand that sometimes people come into the church needy, right? Just like a lot of us came in. And we came in and we needed not to sit with, with three, next to three people that are like, hey man, praise God, Jesus rocks! And, and you know, crazy, crazy, right? Radical, and there's nothing wrong with that, but, but, but people that w- would be sensitive that here I am, a newcomer, you know, I got my cigarette on my ear. I, I came in with attitude because, you know, I just, I got my guards up. You know, this is the, I'm taking a big step even just coming to this place, you know. And, and the people next to me are like, Jesus rocks. And, and nobody cares that I don't know this Jesus yet. Nobody cares that, listen, I don't, I don't you know, you, you're tripping for me right now. This to me ain't nothing. Show me, show me something. Tell me something. Love me and show me why Jesus rocks. So that maybe next week I could, I could, you know, at least. And then, and then maybe after a little while, you show me, then I'm at the front like rocks. You know, but, but help me get there. A- amen, church? Help me get there. People, I, I, that's you, man, I know, I know. We also learn from Joseph that sometimes we have to tell the truth even when the truth is hard to tell. Wow. See, in order to tell the cupbearer the good news that he was going to be released in three days and be restored, he had to be willing to tell the baker that he was going to be released in three days and be hung. That's rough. See, the good news is that we can be set free to live or we can be set free to die. But if we don't tell the full truth, then we water down the gospel. If we don't tell the full truth, if, if, if we're all about, oh, this church is all about love and this church is all about freedom and it's love and freedom and love and freedom, you can do whatever the hell you want. It's, it's not. Then we water down the gospel. Then the cross of Christ means nothing. Then it was just a nice thing to put on a piece of jewelry. Right? No, we have to say, listen, no, because of your sin, you are dirty and filthy and nasty, just like me. Be, make sure you put that in there. A lot of Christians leave that out. You are nasty, dirty. You can't come into church looking like that. Look at you. You got tattoos up on your face. What's wrong with you? Get out. You can't. No, listen. listen you, you say, listen, I'm just like you. I do the same stupid things you do. I still do them sometimes. Amen? But because Christ died on the cross, there's the gospel. But we can't cheapen it and say, you can keep doing that and come here. It's good. No. I mean, it's not for us to, to judge everybody and tell them, no, you stop doing that, you stop. Listen, if you've ever heard that from the pulpit, I, I, I'd be shocked if anybody could raise a hand and tell me that you've heard that kind of condemnation and judgment coming from here. Because we don't, we don't preach that. I believe in saying, you know what, let's, let's shine. Let's, let's, let's show everybody the love of God. Let's present the gospel and let God clean them up. Amen? 
Jesus said, be fishers of men. So we, we catch him, let him clean them. Right? But we have to tell the full truth. We can't water it down. We also learn from Joseph, listen, this is a tough one too, that God's ways are better than our ways. That his ways are higher than our ways. Church, a lot of us got so much religion and self-righteousness in, them, in us that, you know, we, we tell God what he can do and what he can't do. We, we tell everybody, well, God, no, God, that's not God because God can't do that. Really? really? Who are you? Can, can you really, can you stand in full authority and say to somebody, that's not God because God wouldn't do that? Are, are you... Are, are, are your ways that close to God? Are you, are you that in tune? Are you floating around the room like you don't touch the floor anymore? Because how can you say to someone? How can you judge someone? How can you condemn someone? How can you stand there and say God would not do that? Listen, the, 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 the final word on the word is the word. Amen? So the only thing that God cannot do is go against his word. That's the only time you can stand in full authority and say, God would not do that. God would not tell you to leave your wife and go with this woman. God would not do that. I've heard that in church. God is telling you, you need to leave that crazy woman and, 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 and marry the cute worship lady that, that's, that's you know, giving you attention. No, God, that you can stand in authority. God is not doing that. God will not go against his word. But the, on, the, on the flip side... We, 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 you know, we, we look at situations and we look at the way God does things and we say, no, God, God can't do that. Let's look in the life of Joseph for a moment. Here in the life of Joseph, God is speaking through dreams, through pagan servants and a pagan king. He's talking to people that don't serve him. Doesn't that sound like something we say in church? Well, God, you know, obviously God's not told you. You're not even a Christian. Why would God talk to you? Come on, you're not even a Christian. Duh. But here, here God is talking to a pagan servant. And then another thing we say in church, well, God don't speak through dream, dreams anymore. God doesn't speak through. We hear that all the time in the real, you know, Rahatabla churches. God doesn't speak through dreams. Really? That's not like all through his word. He, hasn't, he didn't speak to everybody and their mother through dreams. And, and doesn't the word say God doesn't change? So, so, so when, did, when did God turn that dream thing off? Right? When did he say, no, nah, I'm not going to talk to dreams anymore? So here in the life of Joseph, we see, so, so church, listen, whatever misconceptions, whatever religious rules you've, you've heard about God, throw them out. The only thing God can't do is go against his own word. The question in this situation is, why would God speak through dreams through, to a pagan king? Why? Say Why? I'm so glad you guys asked that. Why does God speak to, to, to people that don't serve him, to people that don't know him? Why does he speak to them? So that they can turn around and ask somebody. You got a light? So that they can turn around to one of us and ask, to, to one of us that are trying, to one of us that have some kind of relationship with God and, and ask, hey, can you shed some light on this, man? I had a dream the other night that da 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 right? And, and so God could give us revelation, and right there, an open door, we can say, well, God is just trying to get your attention. 
See, this represents this, and according to the word, this is this. And so God is just coming after you, man. You're having these dreams because God's trying to get your attention. Isn't that beautiful? No? Nobody thinks that's beautiful? Isn't that beautiful that God would love somebody so much that he would speak to him even when he's not speaking to him? Come on, some of you got here that way. Right? Some of you, God spoke to you, probably most of us, God spoke to us before we were talking to him. It's incredible. But what happens with that, God is, and and this is crazy on God's part, God's relying on us to shine. This, that's the, you, you know what? If anything boggles me about the gospel more than anything else, is that he trusts us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Isn't that, isn't that like a lame plan? I mean, you know me and you know you. <laughs> Wouldn't you say that's a pretty lame plan, God? You should have done it differently. You trusting me? You, you're saying that everybody that I work with, I'm responsible for them? I wish somebody get this today. Are you saying that those people that I meet in the store every day, that those people that I meet on the train every day, are you saying I'm supposed to shine and do something? Are you saying that there's no backup plan? That it's me? You're not going to send them a universal text message somehow and say I'm calling you, this is God? You're saying me, I'm the universal text message that shows up in their lives? And, and, and God, wait a minute, are you saying that the way I live my life is going to testify to these people around me? God, that's crazy. And a lot of us say, that's too much responsibility, man. I'm just going to do me. But this is, church, I, I, I say it before and I'll say it again and I'll say it again and again and again until we all get it, until I get it, that this is the time for the church to arise. This is the time, this is the hour for, for, for the body of Christ to shine. There are people all over your lives in this dark world, in these dark times, and they're asking, you got a light? Has anybody got a light? Can anybody shed some light on this situation, man? Like, like there's this nuclear fallout like hitting parts of the world now and it's going to get into the food and it's getting into the water. And like how is that going to affect the, the countries nearby? How is that going to affect the food that comes out? God, there's so much going on. People are always talking now, right? They come up to me now all the time at work. So, uh, pastor, earthquakes and rumors of wars and wars. And does this mean that like this is like the end times? And so I say, like, well, what do you think? You know what I'm saying? If you believe that part of the word, then what happens to all the rest of it? Amen? I stole that from Bert on Wednesday prayer. If, if you believe that part of the word, then, then, then what happened to the Gospels? How about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Right? We're, we're saying, well, there's earthquakes, there's famines, there's... Yes, everything that's in Revelations is happening right now. Yes. Yes, it is a time for the world to be trembling. I, I truly believe it is. Not you and me. We're chilling. But it's time for the world to be trembling because everything that Revelation says is happening. It, you can read Revelations and the daily news at the same time and look and, and say, that's, right? It's, it's like, and, and, and so the world is, man, they should be shook. And, and so they're asking, anybody got a light? 
Does anybody got a light? And, and you and me, you, you didn't know this, but you're put in those places that you're in. You're in that job that you hate right now so you can shine. And God ain't going to get you out of that place until you shine. So unless you really like it there, start shining. Start shining. Stop complaining and start shining. Stop talking, I hate this, I hate this place, I hate my job, I hate everything I got to do, this sucks, you suck, you suck, everything sucks. No, start to shine. Say, say, God, I'm in a dark place, man, my boss is crazy. That's a dark brother. Oh my God, my supervisor, she's dark, she's wicked. I, I think the other day when she moved her hair, I saw three sixes on her forehead. Oh, my God, this is bad. So, so start to say, you know what, right here, this is where you put me, God. I'm going to shine until I burn people's eyes out. I'm going to shine until, until they, they, they can't see anymore because my light is so bright, amen? This is the time. Church, this drives me crazy. Let's, let's stop trying to fit in to this world and let's start to separate ourselves in a way that we show ourselves different. Not in a way that we, that we just huddle and go to conferences and just be conference and go worship, worship all day with the happy hands. But, but, but in a place where right where we are, we shine everywhere we are. Amen? Let's stop trying to fit into the world so much and start stop. You know, start walking and, and do more walking and less talking. Amen? Let's, let's start walking like the royal priesthood. Do you understand? Like, like I, I think the only way to get you to have this picture is to buy you all black shirts and collars. Clerical collars. And tell you, like, for the next week, you've got to wear this everywhere you go. Can you imagine if you had to wear a priest collar everywhere you went? Imagine, like, that's a dare. How would you walk? Right? I mean, there was a time in our culture where, where someone with a priest collar would be revered, would be respected. Now it's a different, you know, now it's a different. You buy it on eBay and you, whoa. But, but there was a time in our culture where, where someone with a, a, a clerical collar was known as a priest and, and was respected as a priest. And, and there was some, well, well, you and I, we're royal priests. We are, the word says, the royal priesthood. So in, in, a, in a way, in, in some kind of, we walking around with collars. And we're either disrespecting them or, or, or respecting them. We're either walking around like it doesn't matter or, or we're, we're, we're letting it shine and we're being the priest wherever God has called us to be. Amen? All right, so let's jump back into Joseph and get a little bit more. Do we have time this morning? Thank you, Bert. Everybody else will just have to hang around with us. So let's recap real quick. Joseph was bringing sexy back, we found out, right? And because and he, was, he was handsome, he was good looking. And so it says the wife, you know, tried to seduce him. But Joseph runs out. He leaves him with his, with his clothes. She cries rape. He gets locked up. The favor of God is so with him that he ends up running the prison. 
So he's in prison running things, and then and then the cupbearer and the and the baker of the pharaoh they have these dreams. You know, they get in trouble, they get sent into jail, and so Joseph cares for them and he looks after them, and they have a dream. Joseph interprets their dreams. They both get set free, one to live and the other to die. Right? That's the way the story goes. And then the one that lives forgets all about Joseph, and Joseph spends the next two years in prison. He's running it, but he's still locked up. Right? And so now, chapter 41, we, we started this, Pharaoh has a dream. So now Pharaoh has these dreams. And, and let me tell you the dream real quick. This is crazy. Pharaoh has a dream that seven cows, in his dream, seven cows come out of the Nile. Seven cows. And they're healthy, they're beautiful, these seven cows. They come out and they line up out of the Nile. And then seven scrawny, skinny, stick-and-bones cows come out, and they line up next to the healthy cows. And then in his dream, the skinny, sickly cows eat the healthy cows. Eat them. That's got to be a pretty gross dream, right? But then it says that even though they ate the healthy and fat cows, they still look skinny and scrawny and ugly. And so then he was troubled by this, and then he had a second dream, and it says he saw seven grains of, of, of uh, seven corns of grain come out of the ground, and they were healthy and, and robust, right? Read it there in Genesis 41, so you know I'm not making this up, just pulling it out of my pocket, you know? And, and then it says that another seven grain, you know, corns of uh, uh, ears of grain or however you want to look at it, come up, only those are thin and burnt out and wasted, and the wasted a grain eats the good grain and still looks wasted and, and messed up. And so it says uh, the Pharaoh was troubled. And it says in verse 8, when morning came, he was upset and he sent for all the magicians and sages of Egypt. How do we know he was a pagan king? Because he sent for all the brujos and brujas, but they couldn't interpret it for him. How do we know he was a pagan king? Because that's who he took his dreams to. Church, whoever we take our dreams to is who we put our trust in. Oh, come on. That's good. Somebody got to get that. See, this is proof that even though Pharaoh respected Joseph because God was with him, and even though Pharaoh acknowledged God, he had no trust in him. Who we seek an answer from, who we run to with our dreams determines who we trust in. Listen, sometimes in church we do the same exact thing. We only come to God after we've tried everything else. Anybody? Right? Not us, but people that we know, right? Right? It's only after we've tried Tylenol and Advil and Codeine and everything that we come to God for prayer for healing. Right? How come that's not our first response? It, it, it's, see, who we go to with our things shows who we trust in. Matthew 5 says we are the light of the world, but so many times we go to the world for their light and for their wisdom. You still with me? Amen. You want me to give you a good example? How about Lotto? Listen, if some of us, just, just hear me out, if some of us would tithe with the faith and hope that we play the mega millions with, we would have an increase that we could not contain. 
No, you're not, you're not feeling me? <laughs> listen, listen. We, I, I, I watch people at the gas station, and, you know, there's usually like a line, and people are there like, you know, and I'll, I'll take 740, boxing combination to the right and to the left, and, and I'll take 680, and give me 4080 combined. And I don't know all the, all the jargon, but, you know, they're saying these numbers with all these, you know, and give me 640 uh, combined and to the left and to the right, and give me this reverse, and I don't know what all that means, but they have this long list, and they're there, man, just giving this whole list, and they're spending $50, $60 off their paycheck on, on a dollar in a dream. What happened to the dollar in a dream? Right? But, but listen, but, but, but here's the thing. They play this thing, right? And then on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday, whenever those numbers come out, they're, they're looking with faith, believing, even though the odds are what? One in a kabillion? They're believing that they're the one. What are the odds? Like, what are the odds? One in a quadrillion. And, but you go faithfully believing, yeah, I probably got it. I, I'm like feeling it. I, I think I got it. I think God's going to give me 46 million today. I, 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 I think, I, no, I don't know. I'm feeling really good about this this week. Anybody? No? You, come on, your cousins, your relatives, right? And so, and so they come faithfully to, to check the numbers or to check if they've won. Imagine if we, with our tithes, with our offerings, had that kind of faith that everything that we put in, that, that we drop something in the offering Sunday, wait, 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 hold it off, that we drop something in the offering Sunday, and by Wednesday we're looking for a return. We're saying, God, what have you done with the seed that I planted? What's growing? What's coming out? What's happening in my life? I'm, I'm believing, because listen, listen, like, where, the word says that the heavens are going to open and you're going to pour out on me things I can't contain. God, I, I'm, imagine if, if you drop that dollar in the basket and, and you're waiting for that return on Wednesday. Not that you're giving to get, but that you're giving, because listen, the, with lottery, it's a chance. With God, it's a promise. Oh, you got to get this. You got to get this. It's not a lottery. It's a promise. God said, what you, what you, I'll give it back, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Look for that. Listen, if you're not trusting God with your dreams, then he's not your Lord. And, and hear me for a minute. As long as you understand that, that's okay. Don't run out yet. There may be some people here today that you, you don't know God like that. You, you know, you, you haven't made that commitment to make him Lord. And that's okay. The fact that you're here today, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you followed somebody here today. I'm glad that maybe you're here asking somebody. You got a light? Does anybody in this place have a light? You know, I, I followed two people in here from the nail salon this morning, and I just want to know if maybe they had a light. Maybe, if maybe the reason they were so happy at the nail salon laughing and, and, and carrying on, if, if maybe that's the reason, maybe they got a light. Maybe there's, maybe there's something in their life that I don't know about. And, and if you're here and you haven't done that, that's, if you're in a good place. Amen? See, when Pharaoh started asking everyone around him, 
He'll call them the magicians and the sages and the brujos and every bruja in, in, the, in the city. And nobody could tell him anything. But he was saying, you know, I'm in, a, I'm in the dark with these dreams. How come, uh, you know, I, I have everything, but I can't even buy an answer to my problems. Pharaoh was saying, I have everything. I'm the king. I own everything, but I still can't even buy an answer. I can't even buy some light. And it was only after he started asking around that the cupbearer remembers. And he says, oh, Pharaoh, I'm so sorry. The cupbearer comes up to him. He goes, yo, my bad. My bad. I forgot all about this. When I was locked up, I had a dream, and so did the baker. And there was a man there, man. His name was Joseph. And he had the light of God in him, man. And he gave, he interpreted the dreams, and he was right. I was released, and the, and the baker got, you know, hung. And, and so just, just call on this guy. This guy, hey, he can shed some light on your dreams. And so, so he calls Joseph out, and they get, the word says they get Joseph out. They shave him, clean him, give him clean clothes. And he comes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, listen, I heard that you are the man of the hour. I heard that you are the man of God. I heard that you can shed some light on my dreams. And listen, this is important. Joseph says humbly, it's not me. It's the God in me. Family, when you start walking around and doing more, more, you know, shining than complaining, when you start doing more walking than talking, when you start being more selfless than selfish, when you start being more other-centered than self-centered, listen, people are going to notice. And they may start saying things like what Pharaoh saying to Joseph, I heard you were a great person. I heard you were really smart. I heard you can do incredible things. We have to be careful to stop right there and not get caught up in it and not start to believe it, but say, listen, not me, but the God in me. It's the God in me. Amen? Mary, Mary. Thank you. I knew somebody would sing it. See, you got to do what Joseph said. It's not me. It's the God in me. Trust me. If it was up to me, I'd be looking out for number one. Trust me. Can anybody agree, right? Trust me. If it was up to me, I wouldn't be, you know, out here giving you my last dollar. I'd be thinking of how I'm going to take yours. Right? It's not me. It's the God in me. Well, listen, for, uh, uh, Peter says it clearly, and he kind of sums this up easily in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. So he says, the first thing you got to do is make, make, make him your Lord. And then always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Church, when people ask you, you got a light? You say, I sure do. It's the God in me. And let people see that it's, it's the God in you. Amen? And so we'll, we'll get into the interpretation next week. I know it's getting late. You guys look hungry. What, what, I, what I wanted us to really take away today from, you know, overall, the overall picture of what God is doing here and how Joseph is responding. Joseph has been hit from every angle, but he still manages to wake up and face another day. I know some of you are in those situations right now. Joseph has every right to fight and defend his reputation, but he doesn't lose his temper. He doesn't say things that he'll have to later regret. He has more things to complain about than any one of us here. But yet we never hear him complaining. Or making excuses for his behavior. 
He gets punished for doing the right thing, but he keeps doing the next right thing anyway. Please get this. As we close, worship team, you can come. It gives people hope. Joseph let his light shine around everyone that he came in contact with so much that when the king needed someone to shed some light, listen, Joseph's testimony went before him. And when the king needed someone to help rule the kingdom, Joseph had already proven himself faithful. But here's the hard part. It took 13 years for Joseph to get to where God wanted him to get. If you guys are anything like me, we don't want to wait 13 minutes, right? We want to say, come on, I came to church. I want my life to turn around, smack quick and in a hurry. Bam, right? I want everything to turn around quickly. We don't want to wait 13 seconds. But it took 13 years, uh, some of those years locked up in prison for a crime he didn't commit. It's one thing to be in, in prison for something you did, but to be in prison for something you didn't do. It took 13 years for for God to prepare him, for God to get him to the place where Joseph had proved himself faithful. Church, that's a tough pill to swallow. And I know, you know, for a lot of us, it's, it's felt like we've been handed one raw deal after the next. Trust me, I know the feeling. I was just sharing with my wife this weekend, the other day, that We've had to struggle financially for so many years. I mean, don't get me wrong. God always took care of us. God always provided. But it always felt like it was late. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It always felt like, God, I, I trust you in this. I trust you in this. And, 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 and sometimes, you know, the Con Ed cut the lights before God provided the money. But God provided the money. And, and so it, it was such a struggle for so long that we thought, man, it, it would never change. We thought it could never be any different. We, we figured, well, this is just serving the Lord. God's always going to show up late. Or, or as Christians say, God's always going to show up on his time. Right? How many of you don't want to hear that? God, I need you to show up on my time. Right? Conan says the 13th of the month. Let your time be whatever it is, but let it be before the 13th of the month. Amen? Can we keep it real? But listen, for so many, we thought it could never be any different. But all we knew is that we just have to press on. We just have to trust God. And we just have to do the next right thing. This is key. Even when it doesn't make sense, you got to do the next right thing. See, Joseph didn't see the whole plan from the beginning. It would be much easier If Joseph knew in 13 years I was going to be the second highest in command and I was going to rule everything, it would be easier to at least know that, well, one day I'm going to rule all you suckers. So fine, I'll I'll serve you now. Fine, I'll be a slave. Fine, I'll play the fool. Fine, because one day I'm going to... But he didn't see the whole picture. All he knew to do was the next right thing. 
Church, what's the next right thing in your life? That's what what I want you to take away from Joseph today. Do the next right thing and let God worry about the plan. So many times we feel these long periods of time where God isn't doing anything. But the awesome thing is that when God's timing is right, everything can come together in a second. How many of you can testify? Right? Ten years of debt and worry could be wiped out in ten minutes. I mean, I mean, you, you know this, right? It's, it's, it's awesome. And, and we say, but God, 10 years was a long time to wait. But then when we see it come into fruition, we say, God, you, you, you are right on time. God, you, your plan is awesome. So for now, church, keep doing the next right thing. And in doing that, we're going to shine. What's the next right thing for you? Those are the questions I'm going to leave to you. Those are the things you need to be reflecting on. Those are the issues you need to wrestle with. But instead of complaining and gossiping and worrying and murmuring, ask God, what's the next right thing for me to do? And then do it. That could be, for some of you, it's going to be in the area of relationships. Do the next right thing. You know what it is. Do it. For some of you, it'll be in the area of directions and jobs and decisions. For others, it could be making a decision to actually make Jesus Lord of your life. And I I pray there's some of you here today that God is telling you that's the next right thing. Pastor Gary, would you come real quick? I found this quote that, that, that I like to said, act the way that you'd like to be and soon you'll be the way that you act. everyone to stand right now. And I believe, just as Pastor George said, that there are some of you here, and you've been like Joseph. There have been injustices against you. Life hasn't been fair. You have, some of you have been unwrongly, wrongly accused. Some of your people have walked all over you. Just like Joseph. People like Joseph, they've forgotten about you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand to heaven right now. I, I believe there's a lot of you. You've been waiting and waiting. This is just between you and God. You've been waiting and waiting. I can raise my hand. There are things it has been more than 20 years, and God made a promise, and I'm still waiting and waiting. 
Sometimes it feels like Joseph. It feels like you've been in prison. You're hemmed in, trapped on every side. But here's the good news. Today is a day that Jewish people all over the world, they're celebrating a holiday called Purim. And it's from the book of Esther. And there was this woman, Esther. She was an orphan. She was abandoned. And you know what happened one day? She became the queen of all the land. God took her out of the pit, out of being nothing, out of being a nobody. And God used her right where she was at to save her people. And you know what she was told? God has raised you up for a time such as this. Right where you are, right where you've been planted. Even if you're in that pit, even if God seems far away, who knows, who knows, but you're here just, just for this time. That God's about to break loose right all over you. That the promise that you've been waiting for, just like Esther, it's a time such as this. It could be in one moment, in one moment. Father, I just pray right now. I just pray over your people, God. All of those, oh God, who've been waiting on you, waiting for the breakthrough, believing on your word. I just decree right now, I decree, I decree that the heavens are opening up. Just take it by faith. I, I just see a picture of just you reaching up to heaven and bring it down. God is waiting just for you to, to take hold. Take hold of that promise. See, Joseph, he didn't stop believing. year went by and another year went by and he wouldn't give up. And then when God showed up, he was ready. forgot about him. When they beat him, when they mistreated him, he, he still trusted. God, we just pulled down. I, we just pulled down that provision from heaven. We, we pulled down that answered prayer. I just see change coming. See, just as we see the earthquakes and the wars, that that's the sign of the last days. You want to know another sign of the last days? God said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. There's power coming on you like you've never seen before. There's glory coming on your family. Everywhere that you go, and I just release it on you now. Now, just receive the very glory. 
the very presence, the very power of the living God. Just receive, just continue, just just in the presence of God. There's power for you. I'm not looking at the earthquakes and the radiation. I'm looking at the promises of God. He said in the last days there would be great signs, wonders, and miracles, supernatural healing. He said in the last days he's going to take the wealth of the wicked and give it over to the righteous. That's you. So, God, we thank you for the last day's breakthrough, the last day's supernatural sign, wonders, miracle, revival, oh, God. Father, I thank you that you're putting families together. I thank you for promotions, oh, God. We thank you, Lord God, for the ministries that you're building up. God has saved the best wine for last. The best is yet to come. God, we believe you, Lord. Let's worship him.